Hey everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom, your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from Z to A. I'm Zach. And I'm Adam. And Zach, how you doing? I'm feeling a little inverted, like (laughs) the axis of my uh, reality has been flipped over its side. It may have to do with the new digs. I am doing the first recording that I have done from my new home office in my new house in my new state. I no longer live in Ohio. I legally live in Indiana. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Um, But yeah, it does seem like we've kind of flipped and flopped because this week we are talking about uh, Rick Remender's (laughs) Axis. Oh, excuse me. uh, Avengers and X-Men Axis. We can't leave that off of here. So, uh... I guess, who do we have to blame for this? <laughs> we have to blame the 127th Legion. I don't hmm. know who or what that is, but someone with that username did go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, threw a couple of dollars in our coffers and said, y'all, I would like it if you talked about access. And I think like is a strong word here because <laughs> what we're going to... What we're going to experience, folks, is one of the most profound disappointments of me being into comics. Because (laughs) I bought all nine issues of this. (laughs) And I didn't like it after issue one, and I kept doing it. Because here's the thing, I decided, when I had gotten into, into like, reading monthly, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this new event, Original Sin, that looks good. And I actually enjoyed Original Sin at the time. There were, there I, were a couple of fun things in there, I guess. I don't want to reread it to see <laughs> no. if it doesn't hang up. I'd rather, I would rather just, like, cherish the memories of, well, I didn't think it was that bad. Like, I can, I can hold on to that belief. And sure. not have to revisit it because it's not an X-Men comic. Uh-uh. We don't have to worry about it. Axis came out the week after Original Sin ended. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, this is an X-Men event. I can't not read that. Hmm. It turns out everyone who was writing X-Men decided, nah, you probably could not read that. It'll be fine. <laughs> it did not affect the X-Titles one bit. I, you say one bit. It did not affect the X titles that were leading the story and yes. running things. Uh, in Bendis, so much that it yeah, Bendis didn't touch this with a ten foot pole. He was supposed to. He was supposed to. It was solicited that yeah. he was going to do the fallout from Axis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, in, Havoc versus Cyclops, and it never really happened. They just kind of hung out. <laughs> Yeah, he chose not to when he uh, his run ended. When he knew his run was ending, he chose not to deal with this bad plot. Because uh, this plot, it's by Rick Verbender. It's coming out of his Uncanny Avengers. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of artists on here. Adam Kubert does three issues. Lanille Francis Yu does three, three issues. issues. Terry Dodson does two. Jim Chung does one. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the issues are oversized. Ooh, unfortunately, this did take a while to read. It's nine issues. Yeah. And Adam, how much story, if you break <laughs> this down, how much story do you think is in here? And is it nine issues? Well, you know what? It's really funny. I uh, You remember back when we did the Kula and Goth arc uh, a couple episodes back, you, you did a Twitter poll about is this good story or not? And I did my own Twitter poll leading into this episode just to see what people thought in terms of how long this story actually takes. And 
I found almost a 50-50 split between people who thought this story took place over a couple of days and of people who thought it took place over the couple of weeks. And yet there was still a percentage of people that thought it took place over a couple of months. I frankly couldn't tell you how long this is actually taking for the characters involved, sliding timeline aside, because we have three separate arcs here and it's just like this could be happening over the course of a year. I, you know, like, I don't know. There's so, there's so much and so little happening at the same time. So, yeah, it, we've talked about Rick Remender on this show briefly. Um, I think we've only talked about Rick Remender stuff that we've liked, which is wild because uncanny X-Force I did at, at the beginning of the pandemic, I did a Remender reread. Hmm. I read Uncanny X-Force, which holds up more or less and is good. Mm -hmm. I read Uncanny Avengers, which is not and holds up worse than you'd think. Even the parts you we we ranked decent on this show, not as good. Uh, Then I read Axis. And I wanted to uh, strangle myself at that point. I had to read Access in the last 24 hours. Like, I was, because of moving, I was behind. And this made a rough 24 hours for me somehow a lot rougher. rougher. (laughs) You'll notice, folks, we haven't even talked about really what this story is. Uh, At the beginning of Uncanny Avengers, there is the reveal that the Red Skull has gotten a hold of Professor X's brain. And okay, can we stop right at that point? <laughs> yes. Let's just stop right there. Yep. Adam? Mm, hi. When 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 the body dies. Yeah. Yeah. How long do you think the brain works after that? Uh, Cuz I, I want to say it's zero. I was going to say none because I think, you know, normally brain death is like, you know, that's it. You're done. That's the one. Yeah. No electrical um, activity. You're you're kaputnik. Yeah. So Red Skull's plan is weirdly gross and dumb, <laughs> and sh- doesn't even make it Did makes you, yeah like Silver Age comic book sense, but not right. 2014 comic book <laughs> sense. It's also if you go back to the original Uncanny Avengers run, it's terrible. It's a very dumb story, and yet. Um, it needs to be brought back here. Um, we're going to get into the Magneto angle that sort of kicks this whole thing off. But the idea behind Axis is that... Um, None of know, this is in the book, by the way. This is all the stuff you had to read before issue one for any of it to make sense because there's four pages explaining it in text. Yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Um, but Magneto has killed uh, Red Skull with Professor X's brain inside. And Let's unleashed... pause at number two here. <laughs> This is preamble pause two. Yeah. The Red Skull. Yes. At the time. Mm-hmm. Had taken over the Genosha. ruins of Genosha and made it a mutant concentration camp. Right. Magneto, very famously, is an Auschwitz survivor. Yes. Magneto does, before this story... Use all of his rage to murder the Red Skull, a Nazi who is actively running a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. At the moment, he is running a concentration camp, and every Avenger, including Rogue, who knows Magneto pretty well, is horrified that he would stoop so low as to do a murder. I'm shaking my head. On the Red Skull. (laughs) Not just the Red Skull weak and defenseless. The Red Skull who's actively fighting back against the people trying to overthrow his death camp. Right. Right. And there's this this weird thing. I, I... You know what's crazy? We're not actually talking about Axis right now. This Um, is all the four pages of preamble to Axis. (laughs) I'm... I'm having a rough day, and I'm going to take it out on Rick Remender, and he deserves it. Yes. 
so yes we'll, we'll get into this this uh weird sort of moral crisis uh when we talk about magneto later on in this episode but when access begins red onslaught has been re- released who's basically a giant version of onslaught with red skull's head and tentacles for some reason not sure why he has tentacles it's but- a good design when jerome pena draws him or no not jerome pena excuse me daniel acuna draws him at the end of uncanny avengers sure and Adam Kubert does a bad job with him. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, let's we'll put the story aside for a second. The inconsistency of the art in this whole thing is absolutely maddening as well. Um, Adam Kubert is doing some of his worst work. His none of them issues, had time, did they? They yeah, none of them had any time to do this. Very, very rushed. You can tell that like inks on certain artists are just being like thrown on top. Kubert is clearly not being given enough time to pencil these oversized issues. It's some of the worst stuff he's ever done. Um, and you know, right off the bat, you're like, what am I reading? There's giant Axis logo banners on the top and the bottom of the double page spreads in the opening it's, issue. It just looks like garbage. The Axis logo is also bad. It, I hate it's it. supposed to read Axis in all directions, which is Stupid. clever. It I understand the idea, but in doing that, it reads Sixus. Yes, and it's ugly. It's very ugly. I like the concept of the covers that like they all keep doing turns, <laughs> right. uh, like forty-five degree rotations, but it's executed bad. Uh, definitely uh all right so quick quick uh summary of the first arc here uh red skull unleashes two adamantium uh sentinels that tony stark apparently built because he also had his own version of the xavier files uh where he He did in civil war in civil war and the xavier protocols nothing to do with a website that no longer (laughs) exists tmtm do not steal (laughs) right so this forces um because the Sentinels are only attacking heroes, Magneto goes off and collects a bunch of villains and they come back and they attack uh, uh, the Onslaught and I, I guess they win? Uh, how does the first part end? I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh, they need to... Okay, this is where things get... I mean, like, this is already really stupid, but it gets even more stupid is the actual axis, which is if they're all attacking the heroes then they must need to full do an inversion spell on red skull because because the opposite of evil nazi is charles xavier so if scarlet witch and uh stephen strange can flip the morality of the red skull they'll get professor xavier a man known to be perfect and flawless and pure (laughs) which is another thing that rick remender just legitimately doesn't understand about the x-men nope nope uh however this backfires um while red skull uh is incapacitated all of the heroes become villains quote unquote and all of the villains become heroes and that's that's sort of the the you know the reason we're all here that's supposed to be the the clicking thing here that's supposed to be so exciting and interesting and let me tell you that's the pitch and it's a hundred pages in yes and uh, folks it is not interesting it is not fun uh if you didn't like the avengers before you're going to hate spending time with them again when they're all just jerks can i make point number four please um you know what rick remender was writing concurrent to axis and right before it uh no what what was that he was writing captain america he did a run of captain america that started on art with john ramita jr i forget who he ends up with but at the end of that first run and at with right before axis essentially steve rogers becomes an old man Mm, right and sam wilson becomes the falcon yes the next month, in the books Axis and Captain America in the Mighty Avengers, Sam gets turned into a big old jerk. Mm-hmm. Immediately, his first act as Captain America is to be the worst person. Yeah, and uh, it's not fun. Uh, the X-Men are also all jerks. Um, Evan, 
Sabanur has been turned into full-fledged apocalypse, and the X-Men have... For pledged- reasons that are not actually clear Ooh. how how he how his body mutated into full-grown, you I'm know... shaking my head. Makes apocalypse. no sense. Uh, but the, the X-Men are all like, yeah, survival. They basically have become the Dark Riders. Um, and uh, we also get some really also completely dumb things like when Hulk... You won't like Hulk when he's sad. That's when the Hulk's Hulk comes out? That's the claw? The claw. It's the dumbest. Because he also does not act any way different than Hulk. <sighs> he acts... He acts different than Jerry Duggan's Doc Green Hulk. Right. Uh, from Jerry Duggan's very well-remembered Hulk run that was happening this time. <laughs> you remember that Jerry Duggan did a Hulk run, didn't you, Adam? I don't. Yeah, uh, that was at this time. Actually, I remember that run being fine. Better than the Mark Wade run before it. Um, Claw's here. He's bad. Tony Stark... Wears an iPod and starts drinking again and gives everyone in L.A. extremis to make them hot. I guess. Makes them hot through an app. Sure. And the villains decide that they have to save the day. Uh, This apparently involves saving uh, New York from Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, because Apocalypse is going to blow up New York because it's now the mutant nation of Manhattan. Right, he's he's claiming it for his own. So we have the the villains as heroes. Uh, if you thought the heroes as villains were uninteresting, guess what? The villains as heroes are also very uninteresting. Incredibly uninteresting. There's the most compelling character in this is Carnage, who is still a redneck and definitely not like great. It's just weird to see. Uh, mass murderer carnage done this way um the best one is hobgoblin who uh gets his own series he wasn't even supposed to be in this event if you look on the cover to issue five there's a hobgoblin that jim chung drew on the cover but it's not hobgoblin that's a hundred percent a recolored green goblin we have the original (laughs) art they did nothing to change it they didn't even draw a hood on him like hey jim jim quick give us a line here no it's it's dumb and it's bad this book feels the need to tie in to every tie-in, kind of. Like, make sure it gives three pages to each tie-in, each issue, what's going on. And that's boring. Well, I, I think that this is another huge problem with this. You're getting nine issues of overlong comics, but yet you can't under you can't just do this. Like, you're just getting little windows into these stories. So when I say... We don't really know how long this event takes time-wise. It's because if you go and read some of these miniseries, they seem to take place over long periods of time, and yet the events of this actual crossover mini <clears throat> seem to happen pretty quickly. You know, well, like, it's, it's paced wildly. Like the first three issues are too long. Mm-hmm. Like in general, to get to where they end up, they take forever. Right. Yeah, so the first arc's too long. The second chapter of this, nothing really happens. Yeah, it's all vignettes. It's all vignettes for three issues. And then the ending, because of that, is not compelling. And there's a huge amount of things happening. Like, Apocalypse coming back should be a big deal. Mm -hmm. The reveal... (laughs) I forgot we have to talk about this. Yep. Magneto is not Wanda and Pietro's father. It's dumb and it adds nothing. Nope. And like I don't I don't even like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver that much. I I don't care about them, I guess. I don't think we needed to do this. No, and there's so many things like that throughout here that that really are begging you as the reader to be like, isn't this cool? Isn't this cool that Hulk has a Hulk and his name is Clue or Claw? No, actually, it's not cool. Uh, isn't it isn't interesting it cool? that Magneto is not the Maximoff's parents? Actually, it's it's not interesting and we're cool with that status quo. Oh, isn't it cool that Loki is worthy and able to pull uh, Mjolnir off the ground, off the moon and beat up Thor? Eh, is it? Like... 
we really didn't get any story that led up to any of these moments, so why are they interesting? It's not interesting. It's not interesting, is the thing. None of this is good or interesting. You get weird stuff like Havoc is still dealing with the fallout from uncanny avengers and doing it in very unhealthy ways you all remember havoc's kid that disappeared right uh into the time stream with king the conqueror katie yeah she's still out there i'm sure it will come uh, up someday. i don't know if that'll ever come back but it, it's 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 handled almost flippantly here and havoc is just page by pl- this is the other thing that just drives me nuts about this quote-unquote like inversion thing i, I can't really tell you know what i mean like these quote-unquote yeah. bad heroes are really not like super villains and the no they're just they just have dialogue like selfish jerks yeah they're that's just, about it they're just mean and then the the heroic villains are just kind of like okay well they're anti-heroes now you know what i mean they're not yep. really heroes so we're at this weird middling point and then the story just becomes so convoluted it's not interesting to read so I was very glad to be done with it, and uh, considering we've been talking about it for about 20 minutes, we should probably rank it on our big old list. What do you think? We should, because we do have a big old list of comics, uh, including some Rick Remender comics. Uh, Not the Rick Remender comics I've disliked, which is... I was telling you this before we jumped in. I think that Axis is weird, because it's like... I dislike it in different ways than I dislike a lot of Rick Remender comics. Why is everyone so quippy in this? <laughs> it's it's so out of character not, for his writing. He's not funny in this. Like he writes all of these characters like they're his Deadpool in Uncanny X Force, but the problem is his Deadpool in Uncanny X Force worked because he was telling bad jokes to people who weren't laughing and that they weren't supposed to be funny. Right. And that's why it worked. Where here he's playing it straight. He thinks he's funny. He thinks it's funny. It's not. The jokes don't land. This is a bad event, and it's very telling that neither the primary X-Men nor the primary Avengers books cared about this at all. That's true. Uh, So, speaking of the primary X-Books, we have them all ranked uh, from best to worst, like Adam had said. Number one on our story is House of X, Powers of Ten. Number 100 on our story is Excalibur Mojo Mayhem. Number 200 on our story is Wolverine and the X-Men, the Hellfire Saga. Number 300 on our list is Uncanny X-Men 138, Elegy. Uh, Number 400 on our list is Spider-Man Team-Up number one. Number 500 on our list. We thought we didn't have to talk about it again, but we found a way. It's Phantom X Max. Uh, 501 is the Draco. Wow. So it's better than Phantom X Max. All right. Well, that'll, you know, well, that'll shift uh, before the next episode. All right. Down at 403, we have IVX. Better or worse than IVX? Oh, it's worse than IVX. I agree. So this is a, at least, uh, this is uh, down in our bottom 400. Here's so. the thing that IVX has going for it. Hmm. Uh, art's pretty good in IVX the entire time. Uh, sure. Neil Francis Yu looks a heck of a lot better on IVX than he does here. Listen, Yu is doing a fine job here, but you can still tell it's rushed. Yu's probably... Well, Jim Chung, who only draws like half of one issue, probably looks the best. Yeah. Uh, but Yu, of the rest of them, has a good showing. Even the Dodsons. The Dodsons look rough, rough in this. It's 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 rushed. You can tell. I think it's the coloring. That I think too. the coloring hurts it. Yeah, I, the whole thing's ugly and bad, and it it reads like an editorial mandate of oh crap, we have to get something for Q four. Our pre orders for mm-hmm. original sins are not looking where they need to be. We got to get this going. <sighs> this is bad. Um, How do you feel about it? Next to four thirty six, we have X Men Noir. x-men noirs were better better okay um, i think like i'm looking down yep onslaught hmm onslaught is similarly very long yes very dumb yes onslaught is also a crowning moment for that era 
in a way that makes it more interesting to read than Axis. Onslaught and Axis have a lot of the same problems. Oh, definitely. Not just the fact that Onslaught's there. Yeah, but... I just think that the effects of Onslaught are at least a li- I mean, and I'm saying this as someone who just reread it, uh, or just read it for the first time entirely through, uh, and it's terrible, but I think Onslaught at least has a bigger impact on things around it. Axis happens and then... more fun! You know, like, there's nothing, no real lasting effects of it. Sabretooth wasn't a good guy for... Or Sabretooth was a good guy for, like, right up until Hawksbox. Sure. It I lasted guess. That was for a it. bit, you know? But a lot Weirdly of Weirdly enough, gets... Axis didn't have to do that. Sabretooth had been kind of a good guy a lot. Uh-huh. Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. I'm working my way down to perhaps... X-Men Forever is better than this at 468. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, at least Fabian did his homework there. Uh, how do you Would feel you rather about... read this or the 12? Uh, I was going to say, I think this might be a little better than the 12. I mean... It's, they're about the same. They're both bad. They, they are about the same. I would rather reread... That's at 474. Yes. At 471 is X-Men Legends 2 The Rise of Apocalypse pre- video game comic oh yeah (laughs) yeah i don't think it's as good as that i'd rather read the shatterstar saga which is at 473 then let's put it right between those two perfect well uh, Uh, no Mm, uh, oh oh you know i think the silver age avx might be better than this at 475 is another lineal francis u crossover eve of destruction (laughs) better or worse that's a 476. I, all right, I'll give it. I think this is better than Eve of Destruction. I I think it has to be because at 478 is X Men animation special. Yeah. And I think this is better than pictures from a VHS. <laughs> but we're, we're real close. <laughs> and I, you know, I feel bad for a lot of the, the co creators involved in this, but uh, it's just poor writing. And anyway. Uh, unfortunately, another side effect of Axis is that it really threw its tie-in comics, uh, you know, it threw them for a loop, including we've talked extremely highly of Cullen Bunn's uh, Magneto, and it gets roped into this thing and, you know, really just changes the course of the book significantly. It does. So this is Magneto. We're going to cover 9 through 12 here from Magneto Volume 3 by Colin Bunn. Art on this, uh, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta does a lot of it. Uh, Javier Fernandez does part of one issue, and Roland Bashi does another issue. Uh, Jordi Belair does the colors on the uh, uh, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which I want to point out because I think Jordi uh, is an incredible colorist for Walta. Uh such a good fit and this is a tale of i think two comics like we could almost split this in between the march to axis and the axis proper stuff Mm -hmm. yeah this all takes place for the first in like before in during the first three issues of axis which Mm -hmm. is a weird timeline um magneto goes to genosha and Tries to rescue the mutants who are, you know, in the concentration camp that the Red Skull set up. Right. Red Skull bad. Magneto kills Red Skull. Mm -hmm. Which is very reasonable because the last time he tried to be nice to Red Skull and just left him in a hole and that didn't work. And he points that out, uh, which Which, I absolutely love. Which this Red Skull would not know about because specifically the red skull from uncanny avengers is a red skull pulled directly from world war ii from the past and not red skull who was like living in that one russian guy's brain interesting i did not know that that's fascinating 
Listen, Rick Remender makes choices. <laughs> sure does. Now, we should point out that what leads up to the murder is some really fantastic storytelling by Cullen. Um, as Magneto enters this Genosian uh, concentration camp, he is having vivid flashbacks of his own experiences um, at Auschwitz and what he was and wasn't able to do as he was just starting to be able to use his powers in, in terms of helping other people. And the first issue, issue nine, is is very effective uh, in that way. Um, he is captured by the. Um, uh, we've talked about how stupid Axis is, but or, or how bad the the initial arc of Uncanny Avengers is. We we have not mentioned the S Men yet, who I absolutely despise as as the, henchmen villains. You okay? I have. Oh, you have a soft S- spot for the S Men? No, no. <laughs> hold on, no. I think most of the S-Men are bad. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that there is a character named Goatface Girl is pretty good. <laughs> I think Mies, who is a giant turtle man, is pretty good. And I think Honest John, the living propaganda, uh, is a Jack Kirby character. And everyone else is bad. <laughs> I don't know. They're sort of like the, uh, the Uncanny X-Force apocalypse horseman volume two that just like are not as good they're like what was on the floor (laughs) Um, yeah i mean like they're not wait hold on do you also think the horsemen from uncanny x-force aren't good because no no they're no they're great war they're very big the the minotaur (laughs) No, no 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 those are great these are not great. These are the rejects. These are the ones okay, that went yes, on the, yes, yes. towards the, the garbage can. Anyway. That's uh, 100% correct. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Magneto loses in a, in a fight to them because he's still like dealing with being depowered after. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's, the, that's the conceit of this run is Magneto does not have uh, his Omega level powers. He has, I can throw some nails around pretty good powers. Right. So, Which is scarier, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and it's used very effectively throughout the run. Um, when he is captured, he is psychologically tortured um, by the giant turtle man and Red Skull uh, into thinking he's being tortured by the Nazi that, you know, was his, his one of guard, the, one of his the tormentor, yeah. whatever. His name's, his name's Hitzig. And yes. actually, one thing I like that Bun does here is that he pulls from one of my favorite one-off stories from Uncanny X-Force. Yeah. And that is that is the story where Magneto goes to Wolverine and says, I know what you're doing, and I won't tell anybody, but I need you to do this thing for me, mm-hmm. and I need you to go kill this man. I'm not going to tell you why. I need you to do this because I cannot. Mm-hmm. And Bun pulls from that very effective story uh, and uses that to color kind of the rest of his run, or at least the next arc. Yeah. Uh, uh, and with in Hitzig. issue 10, we similarly get uh, flashbacks to a variety of different parts of Magneto's past, um, including the classic X Men backup story um, where uh, Magneto's. Uh, child dies in a house fire um and honestly javier fernandez does an incredible job uh on art on this one as well yeah yeah it's really cool how they they blend the two art styles here there's a little bit of uh, a flashback to the savage land uh Mm -hmm. arc with rogue uh from the jim lee era and it's very effective in breaking magneto down uh, until the uncanny Avengers show up to really just give him a hard time for throwing a pile of bricks onto Red Skull's head, which we've already noted is completely reasonable. Even at the time, like I was not as I was, I was probably more likely to believe in 2014 that maybe we don't need to punch everyone we disagree with. Mm. Uh, even then, I was like. No one should be giving Magneto a hard time for killing a Nazi. <laughs> right. Uh, this seems like his thing. Yes. We had already had the best part of X-Men First Class, which was Magneto Nazi Hunter. Mm-hmm. We had already had that. Like, who was going to be upset about Magneto Nazi Hunter right now? Not I. Yeah. And uh, in 2021, it's worse. 
it's worse to see all these people mad that Magneto, again, wants to kill a Nazi who is actively perpetrating genocide. Yeah. Uh, issue 11 has the selfless task of just being the story that explains how Magneto got all those villains. And it really looks like it takes a while. Like in Axis, it looks like it takes about an hour. And they, they, they mentioned <laughs> that it essentially takes a night. That does not look like it takes a night. Uh, it is. Oh, you're talking about because Magneto literally goes everywhere across the world having fun little interactions with a bunch of supervillains. Which is what it would take. You can't just like be like, you know, bat signal here. Come on, villains. He also takes time to like, he go could back if he called his... any of his friends, <laughs> which Magneto has. Uh, He's organized several teams before. Yes, that is, that is true. Um, but, and then issue 12, uh, I think Roland Boshi takes over on artwork and it's this whole thing about, you know, is Charles still in there? Uh, we're getting a flashback to, uh, you know, their time together when they were both discovering their, you know, whether each other was a mutant or what was going on. And it's just not, I, I just feel bad that, that Colin had this good thing going and had to get sucked into this event. He's doing a really good job of tying it all together, but especially with issue 11, you're like, God, this just feels like filler. He is... Doing a Yao Min's task. Yeah. With this book. And I think Magneto as a series might be the best thing Bun has ever written. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, I think, my favorite thing of his that he's written, especially in the superhero realm. Like, everything clicks. The horror stuff he likes, the, the anti-hero stuff that works for him, the, you know, slightly off-kilter stuff. Like, it... It all really works in this book as a whole. But then the Axis tie-ins, he's just doing his best to keep the book afloat because Magneto was a big part of Axis. And I'm pretty sure he was politely told, we really think that Magneto's solo book should tie in here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can tell there are not that many books that are tied into axis and this is definitely one of them that was like yeah you got to be involved and i'm let's sure let's talk about what's tied into axis let's talk because it's it's a weird mix wild it's a weird mix so captain america right. by remender yep has one issue that is tied into this yep and i don't even know how closely that is uncanny avengers makes mm-hmm. sense magneto and al ewing's loki agent of asgard uh which Loki and Doom and the whole plot that was going on there work. Uh, then it's all new X Factor, which, hey, you remember how we didn't even talk about how in Axis Red Skull made everyone in the world hate each other like it was uh, the end of Kingsman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, World War Hate that happens. Right. Off screen during mm-hmm. Axis. It's a bad thing. Uh, Avengers World, which was. The ancillary, ancillary, ancillary Avengers book. Uh, Amazing X-Men has one issue. Captain America and the Mighty Avengers we already talked about. Inhuman, which is funny because the Inhumans don't actually act worse. Because they're always jerks. They're always just the same. Nova fights Claw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolverine and the X-Men ties in for one issue. It's last issue, I think. Uh, it is its last issue, actually. And then there's a good Carnage, a good Hobgoblin series, and Axis Revolutions, which I remember having one of the worst. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one a of hodge, the worst stories. It's a hodgepodge, and you know, you just you just wonder, like, as a publishing event, what the heck this is all about. Um, Was Deadpool the biggest book to like really tie into this? Probably, but we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, you want to rank this one first? Yeah, I mean it's not as bad as Axis. No, it's no, still really. No, this one's really pretty. Is Walta's art is outstanding, uh, and Bun, especially in the first two issues, is doing a lot of great character work with uh, with Magneto. So, I, I think this is actually not that bad. And but the problem is the, the the last two issues that we're talking about here are not great. I looked at two ten, which is Dead Man Logan, and Dead Man Logan's better. Yep. Yep. Um, 
How do you feel about it compared to last week we talked about X Men the one ninety eight at two ninety seven? I think this is better than one ninety eight. All right, so we're talking about a two hundred story here. Um, better or worse? It's not as yeah. Go ahead. Oh, it's not as good as Weapon X Sabretooth in charge. Uh, where's that at? Two seventy eight. Okay. All right. I think that's my... And then two above that is New X-Men uh, 132 Ambient Magnetic Fields. The Lorna issue, that one's better. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think I liked Phalanx Covenant Final Sanction better. Um, but It's probably better than the Submergence of Japan, the Ma- Moses Magnum story. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it might actually be better than the the first arc of Marvel fanfare, the Savage Land story. Yeah. Is it better than Schism? I um, kind of think it is. Yeah, I think, I think it is, but I, I don't know if it's better than final sanction, which is just kind of a lot of fun action movie kind of thing. It's not, I'll, I'll give Larry Hama having fun, <laughs> the edge over Cullen Bunn doing Yaman's work. All right. So you mentioned that Deadpool is one of the largest tie-ins. Um, and uh, we've got, Jerry Duggan, um, Mike Hawthorne. Oh, Brian Posen is also helping writing on these. You're right? talking about Brian Posen, very famous comedian band? Yeah, just saw him on, um, I think I just saw him on Nailed It on Netflix. I once, the other day, and I say the other day, it was several months ago. We were watching the television program New Girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I were. Yeah. And he, I looked over to her. Right, he's and, on that. Brian Posehn, yeah, he had a bit role in it for a while. And I said, hey, babe, you know I know a guy who's, like, good friends with Brian Posehn? And she said, why do I care? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> kind of thought about it once, maybe. That's really funny. I love like, it. And I don't, even know, I don't even know Jerry Duggan very well at all. Right. I know someone who knows Jerry Duggan pretty well. You, you were, and you were, he knows Brian Posehn pretty well. You were really stretching out less the, impressed. Uh, the stages of Kevin Bacon there. Um, I'm... I'm trying. I want Brian Pesane to be my friend. Maybe I don't know. He seems like a. He seems like he'd be an interesting hang. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, anyway, he wrote like 50 issues of Deadpool with Jerry Duggan. Cool. Um, I can't say that there's a lot of laughs here, though. I mean, like one of the other. I don't even know. What's that? Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, so we've talked about like how ineffective it is to flip the characters. The The conceit here with Deadpool is that Deadpool goes from being his wiseacre, murderous self to Zenpool. He has a Chinese, you know, a Japanese rock garden in his backyard. He is not going to kill. He is going to like be one with the universe and, and find a way out of the danger room and help everybody he knows. And unfortunately like the whole gimmick of deadpool disappears and already that gimmick is pretty thin to begin with for me so there's a lot going on here um but it's not something i'm necessarily like intrigued about how about you oh yeah deadpool's a big part of axis we forgot to mention it huge axis has a lot of moving parts uh but yeah, this is Deadpool 36 to 39. Uh, it starts in the middle of Axis. It then kind of goes off and does its own thing for two issues, which I appreciate. Well, he's got uh, he's got his own plots to deal with. Uh, so we are we are dealing with Deadpool's wife. Uh, is it Shikila? Yeah, Shikila. Oh, Shikila. Um, I think I don't. No one has ever said her name out loud. Why should I know? I'm making this up. I don't know. But but uh, queen Shikal? of the queen of the monster underground. Uh, he's also dealing with the North Korean foemen uh, who need his organs to survive. They are literally like creations of mutants who look like the X Men, but they're also like gross like Deadpool. <laughs> You've read. Have you read Deadpool, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly by Brian Bersain, Jerry Duggan, and Declan Shalvey? Uh, you just asked me if I've read some Deadpool. The answer is no. What you need to do is, Adam, this is this is not a joke. Okay. And you'll have to read it because it's eventually going to be on our podcast. Yeah, Someone I guess did so. write I guess that's true. Say it. 
Deadpool, the good, the bad, and the ugly, which introduces the uh, North Korean uh, X-Men analogs, is a Deadpool, Captain America, Wolverine team-up story. Hmm. Uh, and it's legitimately the best Deadpool story ever written and is among, like, the... Like, it's, it's probably the best comic Jerry Duggan's ever written. Okay. Wow. It It legitimately rules it's not funny um in any real way i don't remember uh it is a really interesting look at three men whose lives have been absolutely crushed by them being turned into super soldiers and how the three of them relate when they are faced with a challenge Hmm. i'll have to check that out Uh... it's like it's actually good (laughs) Yeah, it rules a lot. I mean, you're giving it pretty high praise. Um, and I got to hand it to Jerry. Uh, unlike, you know, Cohen's Magneto, which definitely feels like it gets derailed, I feel like Jerry and Brian have a pretty good handle on how to mix what's going on in their book with what's going on in the crossover. So, like, it actually merges pretty well. Um, there's a yeah. lot of stuff here about Deadpool's, you know, uncanny X-Force connection to uh, to Evan and how, you know, it, it gives you all of the context you would need that's not in the actual book about, you know, how Deadpool actually gets through to Apocalypse. Um, it's, I gotta say, out of the three things we're talking about today, it's probably the most cohesive from it start is. to end. It absolutely is. There's, I read this minutes before getting on the call. I finished reading it. <laughs> uh, I've had again. I've had a long day, folks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna sound very sad in this recording. I am sure. Uh, but it it follows up on all of the plots that Jerry and Brian were working through the good the bad and the ugly stuff the stuff with deadpool's wife it really pulls in a lot of it with with deadpool's daughter ellie Mm -hmm. uh and him having just very recently learned about her existence in original sin which was the arc right before this and it even sets up the next arc of deadpool pretty effectively where he goes and learns about fracking and how fracking is bad um (laughs) Yes, uh, I think that, you know, I don't, I'm not invested in these characters. I'm not invested in what is happening to them. However, I will say that the way it is told, I think, is very, very intelligent. And it, it does make me at least interested in the story. Um, I am interested to know more about these North Korean foemen. So I probably will go back and maybe read uh, that, that story that you're just telling me about because that, that's interesting. I think Mike Hawthorne is doing a really nice job with the artwork here, especially the section where they get trapped in the malfunctioning danger room is really interesting mm-hmm. visually. Uh, there's a really cool double page spread where a blindfolded Zen pool is trying to sort of like meditate him his way out of the, the room with a wooden sword. And like, that's pretty I am, cool. I am now realizing if you've never read Deadpool, the resolution to this arc seems absolutely buck wild and not an ongoing like plot thread of Deadpool's memories being a museum where he can't access everything that had been going on for like 35 issues before this. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, no, that all it all makes sense in the context of the Deadpool run. Sure. And reading that without that context, we would miss that. Yeah. Uh, so I actually, yeah, go I ahead. think this works pretty well. I mm-hmm. love the covers. Uh, there are some Mark Mark Brooks covers, and he's doing some great work. There's one where he's uh, doing a homage to the famous Mutant Massacre cover. Yes, and we also get on the first issue uh, our pal uh, David Nakayama. Um, yeah, David Nakayama does the first one. I nice forgot job. about that. Nice job. So I think, like I said, out of the three, this is this is probably the the most solid. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not super invested in these characters, but it's a well-told uh, story that doesn't seem to be derailed by the crossover um, as much as it could be. So I think it's probably better than the Magneto arc we were just talking about. So 
where should it go? I think it's better than 268, which is Amazing X-Men Charm School. Okay, I would agree with that. Um, I don't. I wouldn't go too much higher than that. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. we're in the right realm. Like, I don't think it's as good as the X-Men Black Mojo issue at 258. I'd agree with that. Uh, probably not as good as Uncanny X-Men 300. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would... At 262, we have Astonishing X-Men Until Our Hearts Stop, which is a story where I do enjoy the character work in it that Rosenberg does, but I hate the art so much. Yeah, I can feel that. Um, so, and and I don't think it's as good as 261, though, which is the uh, X-Men Volume 227, which is sort of that beast sinister threnity issue, which is really interesting. So this should be our new number 262? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, And with that, Zach, I believe we have inverted towards the end of our show. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm I'm just so happy to be done. Um, We did it. We did it. We did it good, folks. We we tried our hardest, and it happened. We made a podcast (laughs) all about access. I want to thank the 127th Legion. Uh, if you want to be like them and make us suffer through another nine-issue miserable event, uh, you can go on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf. Every single cent goes to contributors to the site uh, who are doing cool stuff. Uh, we have some really great things. We actually are just brought in a handful of new editors who are helping out. Uh, they're getting their real start this week. Uh, I have some interviews that have gone up by the time this has gone up, likely. We like the band Diet, Diet Sig, mm-hmm. uh, who's a band that I really like, uh, but I also like indie music, so, you know, you may not have heard of them, and that's just because I'm cooler than you, and that's fine. <laughs> Everyone who's heard of this band's like, oh yeah, you're so cool, Zach, for knowing this really cool two-piece rock band. And I'm like, yes, I am, thank you. <laughs> they talk about their new comic anthology. Uh, which is a comic version of their 2020 album, Do You Wonder About Me? Which is a great album, and you should go check out. It's like 25 minutes, because they write very short songs. But I think it rules. I have their song Thriving stuck in my head right now. Uh, Anyway, there's different levels for support of the Patreon. Go do that. Adam, what's up? Uh, Guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at ArthurStacy or Instagram at Adam.Rex. Zach, what do we got going on next week? Next week, we are going to surprise people Mm. because we're going to talk about some death and some people dying and the fallout of those deaths and how we deal with that grieving. And by that, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of very recent stories where X-Men died. And it's going to be fun. I actually do think this one's going to be fun. There's a story on here that I think next week, Adam, Yeah. all things go according to plan. I think I'm going to shock people with my opinions on some things. Okay, I'm excited for that. All right. Like, there's a story that if I say the name right now, people are going to be like, oh, they're going to rip this story apart. And folks, I don't think we're going to. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to. I think I might. We'll see. (laughs) We're going to see. This will be a fun episode. But until then, guys, this has been Bow the Atom, and we hope you survive the experience.